thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, if you love Jesus, say I do. Uh, It's so great to see all of you. If this is your first time at Radiant, we are so honored that you are with us. Hey, Radiant, let's give a big hand to everybody that's here for the first time. Can we do that? Come on. Uh, So, so glad. God's doing some great things. If it is uh, your first time and you'd like to take a step in getting connected to the church, there's a connection card in your seat. And if you wouldn't mind filling that out uh, or doing it digitally uh, on our website uh, at the end of service, uh, you can just drop the connection card into uh, the offering bucket as they pass by. All right. Hey, uh, we are beginning a new series. Uh, we're calling it Intentional Relationships. I, I fell in love with the word intentional last year. Uh, I read a book called Intentional Father. And so not only did it kind of impact parenting, but um, for me personally, it just it, it caused me to just try to th- start thinking uh, just strategically and praying about relationships. Uh, so it's kind of formed me in last year. And so some of the fruit of that is, is going to come out in this series. And I want it, I just want it for you. I want, as we go into um, kind of this next season for us to take a, a moment and, and talk about uh, being intentional. And so I'm going to go after uh, being intentional today uh, in, in marriage. And, and, the, and, and, and specifically we have people that are singles. We have people that are dating. Uh, we have People that are married, we got, them, we got them all. But I think that what we're working on can fit in any context. Um, and, and last fall, we spent a season in the Beatitudes. So we spent nine weeks looking at the nine Beatitudes. Um, and then we spent a season just as we began this new year in, in the Lord's Prayer. So we've been hanging out in the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to stay there, actually, in the Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And I, I, I want to I talk about marriage and and look at it in context of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, this is mostly about obedience to Jesus. But I think if we live the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle, <laughs> in context to our marriages, we'll be surprised how Jesus has so much to say that'll bring transformation even more than the top 10 best-selling books. Meaning, if we can live as disciples of Jesus, we'll be surprised the level of fruit that we see in our marriages. And so if we have transformation in our marriages, we have transformation in our families, we have transformation in our families, we start to see transformation in our lives and in our community. So uh, let's read this text, and, uh, and I'll, we'll read it, and then we'll pray, and then we'll go after it, all right? Are you out there today? Are you okay? You good? Okay, good, good, good. I, I know that uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and, uh, and I told Nathan, you know, sometimes... Um, Sometimes, like, uh, a pastor does some really mean things, like on Super Bowl Sunday. Normally, I have three points, and uh, today's the day that you want me to go short because it's a Super Bowl day, uh, but I got seven, so buckle up, baby. We're going long, all right? It's the opposite of what you want, all right? So let's read this, Matthew chapter 7. Let's read it and pray. So we come to the end uh, of Sermon on the Mount. It says this, verse 24. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus speaking, and puts them into practice. Say practice. Now, say it a little louder. Practice. Puts them into practices like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. There's the word practice again. 
It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. So my title today is Seven Practices of an Unshakable Marriage. We're going for three hours. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Father, we love you today. And Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing uh, in this house. I lift up every person, single, dating, married. I lift up every child. I lift up every teenager. I lift up every young adult. Father, we ask, Lord Jesus, as we continue uh, being formed by what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, I ask that even these ideas that we read in the Sermon on the Mount would cause our marriages to flourish. We pray that we would be kingdom disciples in the context of a very godless culture where because of the way that we love each other, the way that we serve and pray and take care of each other and this covenant of marriage, that it would be a light to the people around us. We thank you for what you're going to do. We honor you. We love you. And everyone said amen. Um, this idea of practice is not so much just what you know, it's what you do. So even when we looked at the, the Beatitudes, many of you had those memorized. Or when we looked at the Lord's Prayer, many of you have that memorized. Now Jesus comes to the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, and he starts talking about not what you know, but what you do. So this word practice, who puts it into practice, that's where I want to highlight today. I want you to even start to think about some ways. I, I would even go as far as to say some, some habits. So you form your habits, and then your habits form you. Right, And so one of the things that is often a big gap in marriage is, is in addition to all of our attempt to try to fix things based upon cultural ways, try to fix things based upon even some romantic ideas that we learn from the culture, if you will apply the things that Jesus taught, you'll be surprised the way that a long-lasting marriage has fruit as a result of looking more and more like Jesus and what he taught. So what I want to go after today is mostly the idea of the authority that Jesus has in the way that he taught in your life. So not just that you know it, not just that you could sing a song from VeggieTales about it, not just that you've taught your children it, not just that there's a bumper sticker, not just that you can tweet about it, not just that you can put on Facebook, hey, here's kind of a nice thought for the day. I want to talk about in the trenches, the lifestyle that we live. In the middle of the day-to-day, mundane, routine attitudes, beliefs that then form attitudes, heart that then form practice. So I want to go after practice. One of the things in Matthew 5, it says that they looked at Jesus and he spoke with authority. He spoke with authority. So here's the question. How much authority does Jesus have in your life? If Jesus teaches on the Sermon on the Mount, is it something that you know or maybe something that you've memorized or maybe something that you could even teach your children or maybe something that, um, that you, you, you could even do a Bible study on? All those things are wonderful. Let's do that. Hip, hip, hooray. And I think that the longevity of a marriage, the ability for it to stand the test of time and go through the trials and the storms that are inevitably coming just like in the Christian life take place in Christian marriage. So when you hear this story, what Jesus says, you're either going to build on the rock or you're going to build on sand. You too, not just building your Christian life, but even the practices within your marriage, it has the potential to stand when you build it the Jesus way instead of the cultural way. And the big question is, how much authority will you actually do it? That's what Jesus says. He gets to the end. He says, all right, now I've taught you a lot. Here's the big question. What are you going to do? In our context, what does it look like 
Monday through Saturday. Or you had a great quiet time, good job, little, little one-year Bible, little daily devotional. But here's the big test. What does it look like today as you live it out? How much authority does Jesus have in your life? So uh, in 2010, I was actually on Father's Day. I had a kind of a weird moment. Uh, we had four kids. Uh, we still do, actually. And <laughs> thank God. And, uh, but Justice was a brand new baby. There's four little kids. Renata and I had never been uh, so busy as we were that year um, in our lives. And there was a moment where Renata called from downstairs. I'm studying upstairs. And Renata says, it happened to be Father's Day. And she said, babe, she, which is what she calls me. It was really funny. When uh, Dawson was growing up, he didn't call me. Uh, uh, he called me dad first, and then he stopped calling me dad, and he started calling me babe, because that's what Renata <laughs> called me. But anyway, I was like, no, 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 you don't call me babe. You call me dad. Uh, <laughs> but Renata said, babe. She says, there's a wet spot on the carpet. Will you smell it and tell me if it's water or if one of the kids had an accident? That's the test of authority. <laughs> is there a response in me that says, sure, I'd be happy to, or is it, I ain't doing that. <laughs> That's a real test. I, I know in principle that I should say, sure, I'd be happy to. But in reality, I am much too dignified. <laughs> to put my, and we were not the first owners of the home. I mean, I am not putting my nose in that carpet. But instead I said, I'd be happy to. Renata, if you only knew the level of influence you have in my life. It wasn't water. <laughs> the big question is not, what do you know? It's what do you do? It's what, what are the practical good? And that's not David saying that. That's what Jesus is saying. It's what are you going to build it on? My biggest problem in the marriage culture, I was a youth pastor for 20 years. That's a long time. So when you think about 20 years, it goes, okay, like I was thinking about, all right, Radiant's been around six and a half years. 20 years of working with young people is a long time. And one of the things that I commonly saw is how much they were formed by Disney or how much they were formed by movies. And I thought, hey, one day, you know, like right now, like hang out with grownups, they will be different. Here's one of the things I realized in my 40s as I hang out with people and as we often talk about how we see marriage. It is amazing how much we've been discipled by the culture rather than discipled by Jesus and how much of what we've been trained to think about romance and marriage is formed by music and movies more than Sermon on the Mount, more than Christ. And we don't even realize we do it. But we've been so trained to think that a false formula, a false formula that says, I will find the person who will be the answer to my prayers. They will meet my needs. They will be incredible. They, they will be the kind of person that writes the letters, 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 build the house, build the house, build the house, build the house. That was, that was a death trap for me. 2004, I'm taking Renata out. It's a date night and, and it's the last night. We didn't know that we would have Dawson the next day, but we did. Renata was nine months pregnant and we were just going on a date night. And I took to absolutely the movie that I hate above all movies. Because all of a sudden, the notebook, there's this guy that I cannot, I can't compete with this guy. This guy has made this girl the purpose of his life. Write the letters, 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 write the letters. Oh, now I haven't heard from you. Spend my life. Build a house, build a house, build a house, build a house, build a house. And I've turned this woman into my purpose. I can't compete with that guy. And I'm not supposed to compete with that guy. Actually, in Christianity, 
Uh, uh, when you talk about marriage, the spouse is not the purpose. They're a priority, but they're not the purpose. You got a bigger purpose, and, and yet we're so formed in our songs, in our movies. It's just, it's, it's this false formula that builds. I will meet a person, male or female. They will meet my needs. They will complete me. <laughs> Little 1990s right there. You complete me. No, you don't. I mean, I, I like you. You're a blessing. You're a gift. There's only God completes us. God is our purpose. And there, the God brings along, can bring along a great spouse, but they're a gift and a blessing, not your purpose. And, that, and what I see is so many people that have a false formula where they think that person's going to complete them and that person's going to be the other answer. And then inevitably, when the storms come and a person who is meant to be a companion and to help accomplish is can't, does not have the capacity to c- complete you. When they can't do it, and you've been singing in your head, little Chicago, you're the inspiration. No, they're not. You bring meaning to my life. You're the, in- no, they're not. Yeah, no, 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 no. He, he, here's, here's what I'm encouraging you. I'm grateful. We love Christian marriage. And yet, if you have that formula, then when they certainly don't, can't bring you the happiness, Christian happiness, fruit of the Holy Spirit, joy, P- people are wonderful, but they, they cannot complete you. It, it, it comes from God. So the false formula is, all right, I've been looking, 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 found the person, hold on tight, sing the most romantic songs, buy you the cookies to just hold on, I'll never let go, and that person fails you, and then there's the problem, because if you've made them your, the, the supreme, if you made them the inspiration, if they're the one that complete, and, the, and you've held onto them as first place in your life, you're number one, and if you worship a spouse, or you worship someone like that, you don't have the capacity. It, 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 it will not only ruin you, it will ruin them. So then all of a sudden it breaks down, broken, and then you start the formula over again. I guess I'll go look for somebody else. And you don't even know that that is the formula that you've formed in your head, but it often is because that is what we see. We see a whole lot of celebrity marriages that crash, but it's Christian marriages that can flourish over time. If it is, here it is, built on the rock. If the foundation is putting into practice what you see and hear from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. So, David, are you saying that they're of no value? No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all, of course not. But what I am saying is that Jesus is first. And if you get the formula that we read from Jesus, if you live the way that Jesus says, that will give you greater strength than the latest song, latest movie, latest blog. And putting your spouse in a position so far above that they can never, they can never live up to. So I just wrote down, I'm going to call this seven practices of an unshakable marriage. And this is the idea. This, and this is just an overview as we've been in this Sermon on the Mount season. An overview of looking at some of the things that we see and I want, in the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to invite you to practice them, to do them. First one is this. First one is just, I'll do seven words, all right? Seek. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So context here, 
Jesus is saying, all these other things that you chase after, you have a good father, he wants to give you good gifts, and if you will seek first, first, that's the word I want you to get, seek first the kingdom. So the temptation is spouse first, sometimes it's kids first, sometimes it's finance first, but where we want to be is seek first the kingdom. So Jesus, you're number one. My spouse isn't my savior. Jesus, you're my savior. I don't expect my spouse to fill the space that only you can fill. God, I'm first seeking you. Here's what I want to invite you as a radiant marriage, someone who's working on this, as a practice for yourself and your spouse is seek first, spend time with God. So I think that if you will seek first, spend time seeking God as a spouse, better than buying chocolates, better than writing a song, better than buying dessert and having a great Valentine's Day this week, which I think is all wonderful. Number one thing is this, if you'll be a God seeker, and here's another one, help your spouse be a God seeker. Like buy the gifts that help them spend time with God. Like have the conversations about their time management where you desire for them to be with God. Whenever Renata and I have tension, Renata looks at me and she says, you just need to go be with Jesus. Here's $5, go be at Starbucks, see ya, right? Because, because the number one thing is if I'll, get, if I'll get in this place where I'm dialoguing with God instead of ignoring God and leaving God out, it fixes a lot of the tension. Because I can come back and be a disciple instead of a normal consumer and I'll come back different. I think number one, the, one of the number one things that will help our marriages is if both of you will be a God seeker, as simplistic as that is. And so the first practice I want to invite you to is to be with him and to care about not just your own time, but even make the investment. It's one of the things that for Renata and I in our dating years, it was one of the most, one of the most amazing pieces was that we would spend time uh, old school Oklahoma City, we didn't have Starbucks yet, but we had a Barnes and Noble with, where they serve Starbucks, and we would just sit there and, and, and develop a spending time with God kind of culture. And so that, even from our honeymoon to our first few years it was, of being married, it was, our, it was our culture. And right now, I think one of, the, one of the practices that has formed us is this practice. And it's, it's me fighting for her time alone with God, it's her fighting for mine, where we spend time and, and we treasure that. Second one is, this is, this is a little bit, um, contextually, it's either comical or I gotta, I gotta prove it to you. But either way, Matthew 5, Jesus says, Sermon on the Mount, same, we're looking at Matthew 5, 6, and 7, context overlapping it in marriage. How I live as a Christian disciple in the context of my marriage. So number one, I'm a God seeker. It helps your marriage. You watch. So you don't even have to privatize it and just think, oh, that's just kind of like my first priority. And you watch it bleed into all your other priorities. In addition to being a parent and how you steward your finances and how you do other things. Number one is that. Second idea is this in context of your marriage is just love. That's the second word. I'm gonna give you a practice here. Matthew 5, 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Whoa, whoa, David. Let's talk context. All of you though that have been married, Renata and I have been married for over 20 years. Here's the thought. There are moments and you know it where you think, oh God. I'm praying for my enemy. This is too hard. I will pray for anybody right now, or I will love anybody, but, 
it's tempting to think I am justified in their insanity or what they've done to not pray for them or love them right now. You know, like maybe later, right? Because I think all of us have, have experienced these moments where it's so difficult. The Greek word here is the word agape. So here's, here's the idea that I want you to get from this, to love your enemy. Here's Jesus telling people to love their enemies. If Jesus tells us to love our enemies, we can love our spouse. Simple logic there. And I, can I get an amen? amen. I, was, I got one from Kenny. Anybody else here? Hello. All right. Well, congrats, Peyton. Kenny's amening. All right. But the Greek word agape here, this is a supernatural love. And here's what I want to go with this one. The source of your love for your spouse comes from God, not from your Enneagram number or your romance history or how many great gifts you can buy. The temptation is for all of us to try to build a romance based upon the cultural narrative that wants you to spend money or wants you to form something where you leave God out. But the Christian idea of marriage is that you would love them, John 15, love as Jesus loved. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. So the source of your love is not magic after dark, Delilah, counting down the oldies of the 90s. The source of your love is not a song or the flowers or the matching t-shirt, or the latest Instagram ad that says, buy this and it'll help your marriage, baby. All those things, I'm not saying they're bad, but the source of your love is God. So the only way that I can love is if God's love, I need God's love to have a 50 year, a, a five decade marriage, instead of when the storms cr come, they crumble. It, I, it, our temptation is to look, our culture tells us, they try to make money, they'll, they'll, put, they'll put hashtags where they put two names together to try to get you to try to be like a celebrity marriage. And yet you watch those celebrity marriages and they just crumble like crazy. They crumble all the time. Our heroes are not online studying the, the, uh, the marriages of celebrities. Make your heroes the people in our church that have been married for 50 years. If they do a small group, you say, I'm in it, baby. The best, you, you can form great friends outside of the context of Christianity, but you need your best friends to be the people that are helping you along the journey. So if right now your hobby with your spouse is mostly Netflix and Hangout, get in a small group because that's not a good enough hobby. You need people to help you in the journey. So stop binging every night and saying, this is what married people in our generation do. Last generation, you know, maybe they went roller skating, generation before that, maybe they went to a drive-in, generation before, I have no idea what, how far back to go. But our, no, 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 here's what Christians do. Here's what we do. Oh God, I need the love of God pouring through me. I need some comrades. Matt and Mary Willis are the discipleship coordinators overseeing a whole bunch of marriage small groups. Get in a group. Get around some people that have, that have lived it. That's why. And if you are someone, you've got, say, two, three decades or more of marriage, hey, stop spending all your money just hanging out on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. Start a group. Say, oh, you know what? Here's a little miracle. You and me, baby, we've been married for 30 years. This is not normal in the culture. 
If 50% of marriages end in divorce, I'm telling you, what we need is we need people that will mentor younger couples and say, hey, we've learned a thing or two. Let us help you out. It turns out that Michael Jackson song did not sustain us for 20 years. Started off cool in the 80s. Sorry, too much caffeine today. I don't know what I'm, I'm just making this, some of that up here. But are you with me? It's, it's, so, so God, you're, you're my source. And I'm telling you, seek first, all right? Seek first the kingdom. Then love, even when they seem cray cray, even when they have hurt, even when they seem like my enemy, even when it's all hard. If I have the love of God that is my source, instead of the romance narrative that everybody tells me should be the source, then you'll have the capacity to make it. So here's, the, here's one of the practices for that for me. One of the things that helped me, Renat and I read a book by Gary Chapman years ago uh, about the five love languages. And, and it's, it's a good book. And I'll come to the end of my time alone with God and I'll just say, okay, what's one way? What's one, I mean, tiny just deposit I could make in loving Renata today? And I'm not saying that I do a good job or that I even do it every time. But in, as part of that seeking God time, if you'll just take a step, like a marriage step. So he, in, in the book, it's, it's a, he'll talk about time. He'll talk about touch. He'll talk about gifts. There's it, words of affirmation. And I'll just say, what's one thing? That can even be a small thing. In, uh, Renata and I read a book together um, called His Needs, Her Needs. And it was the, the whole idea is that your marriage is like, uh, it's like, <laughs> this made sense to me. It's, it's, like, a, it's like, a, like a money account. And the idea was you got to make more deposits than you make withdrawals. Somehow in 2010, that made sense to me, partly because I had four kids and I was broke. So I was, oh, <laughs> talking about deposits and withdrawals. Now I get it. And, and, and so for me, it's like not just in the crisis moment, but, but it, today, what's the daily deposit? So certainly I could pray for her. Certainly I could, even as little as a text with a heart, what's up? I mean, that's a tiny, that's a, that's a, that's a nickel deposit. Uh. But it's a good one, because here's what it says. I got some thoughts about you in this moment right now. So what, 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 what daily deposit? So kind of the thesis of that book was is that people don't make the deposits, and then a crisis hits, which is this Matthew 7. The winds and the rains, the storms came. And if you don't make, if you don't, if you don't, if you haven't been self-sacrificial love, looking like Christ, laying down your life, then in those moments where the culture crumbles, where the cultural marriages fall apart, the kingdom marriages stand the test and make it through the storm. All right, third one is this. All right, forgive. In the context of marriage, forgive. Jesus says this, Matthew 6, 14. We're all in the Sermon on the Mount here. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your if, you, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their sins, your heavenly father will not forgive you. God has infinite love for your spouse. God loves your spouse. If you can become someone that chooses to be quick to forgive. Martin Luther said this, forgiveness is releasing a prisoner and realizing the prisoner is you. C.S. Lewis said to be a Christian means that we forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. John Wesley said, um, a man said to John Wesley, a man has hurt me so much that I will never forgive him. And Wesley replied, then I hope you never sin. It is inevitable 
in marriage. You're going to hurt them. They're going to hurt you. And so here's the practice. Number three, practice on forgiveness. Try to be the first mover. Try to be the first mover. I'm going to forgive first. Instead of a race to isolation, anger, which leads towards fighting, I'm going to be the first one. It's a race to forgive. It's a race to Christ-likeness. It's a race to go against my flesh. Of course, my emotions aren't there. No, but, but I never live according to that. Convictions lead, emotions follow. According to my convictions, Jesus is the great forgiver. Jesus on the cross looked at people and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I can forgive her for fill in the blank. I'm not gonna give any examples. All right, let's go the other way. I, Renata could say, I could forgive him for, there's a lot of examples, right? And choose be the first to forgive. Instead of being the one that says, I'm going to distance, I'm going I'm to kind of wall up, form some false opinions, and then isolate and punish you because of what you did. Instead, you go, I'm going to Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. I'm building on the rock. Fourth one is this. Peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemaker definition, one who seeks to end strife and establish harmony. One of my sadnesses is even washing. A lot of times it's men, sometimes women, but a justification for soaring anger because of what somebody did. But Paul addresses us about anger and he says this. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So one of the practices that Renat and I were not perfect at it, but one of the ways of applying this for us is to just make that choice. Not going to go to bed angry. Like you, we deal with things, we face difficulties, but taking what Paul says, choosing to be a people that, to be a marriage that live with, lives with peace so one of the things we'll say is we'll bring the affirmation, even when it's the height of tension and maybe it's the end of the day, the end of the day, it's, I love you. We still have more to work through on this, but let's schedule it for tomorrow. Les, Les and Leslie Parrott, um, they wrote the book, The Good Fight, Renan, and I loved that book. And, and the idea there was, it, if, if you haven't brought the conversation to a place where there's intellectual understanding, but you have got to the place, I love you, don't fully understand all the dynamics of this yet. We got more conversation to have, but we're gonna go to bed not angry with the affirmation that we love. And tomorrow, here's some calendar time where we will be sitting at that same booth at Panera again, talking through how we, how we work through this. And you'll find greater peace. So the practice of peace, the practice of don't, so you don't go to bed angry, work on it. Number five is this, it's reconcile, Matthew 5. It's a continuation of that. Therefore, if you're offering your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and give your gift. And here's the phrase, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Just wanna hit that. Settle matters quickly. As quickly as we can, how can we bring this, close the loop? How can we get to this place where we're, we're laboring for that reconciliation. So one of the practices that we work on is listening. 
Most of the time, we get into a bigger mess when we just say, if I could just get them to understand my perspective louder, clearer, more dominant, great practice. Listen, be the one, fight to be the one that listens the most. Ask questions. Get to where you can, here's the idea, to say their perspective. So for me, Renata, for here you're right. Here's how you feel. Here's what I did. Here's what we got to work on. And then practice, practice number five, just apologize for all that you can. And a real one. Not, a, not an apology like, I'm sorry that you're not able to figure out how this really is. You know, <laughs> That's what you're tempted to say. I'm sorry that you, your feelings make no sense. I'm sorry that you did not do what I said. You know, like, ha! <laughs> Just a little too vulnerable there, but anyway. Um, but to actually say, even if it's, even if it's one, even if it's one percent, or, or another phrase, my side of the street, Whatever I can apologize for. I'm sorry for my tone of voice. I'm sorry for um, that I, I, I actually, I, I, I didn't have the knowledge base that caused me to act that way or whatever. I just, and, and whatever you can, and it is ultimate, it's a, hum, it's a humble stance. I'm gonna go low. I'm gonna consider others better than myself. I'm going, okay, and it's that, that step towards reconciliation. Simple one is number six, and you guys at Radiant, you guys hear me talk about this like a broken record, so. But pray, just straight up. You'd be surprised in the context of praying for your spouse. Matthew 7, 7, ask and receive, seek and find, knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone that asks receives, all who seek find, and to everyone who knocks, the door is open. You'd be surprised, you do this ask, seek, knock thing for your spouse, it's, it's amazing. Actually, we just had um, our brotherhood event where we had uh, all the men gather and, um, and Matt and Mary Willis, who've been married for a long time, I don't know the number of years, uh, uh, I asked Matt, they, I said, tell, tell, us just, tell us just one thing, just one, one habit, one practice that has helped you guys in your marriage. And he said, um, the first night that we got married, so our honeymoon night, this brother's so Christian, it's amazing. We prayed together. I held her hand and we prayed together. And he said, and I've done it every night since. Woof. And after the, the room went quiet and all of us were like, we're not worthy. <laughs> uh, but, but I'll tell you this, what happens if you'll spend some time, whether it's in that seeking God time, driving in your car, whatever it looks like, where you pray specific things for your spouse, more than just a blessing, but actually have ideas in terms of their walk with God, their journey as a spouse, their journey as a parent, their career. What, what, what are some of the, the pains in their life? And you pray for them. God, just like other contexts, downloads more of his heart for that person. You see them through God's lens instead of your lens, instead of through a hate lens or a rivalry lens or some kind of lens that causes division. You'll start to see it through a God lens. So may ha practice, practice, practice praying for your spouse. Everybody's different. What context could it look like? By the way, everybody that's 
single, everybody that's dating, everybody that's living. This is just Sermon on the Mount. Every single one of these you can apply to your relationships. And I'm specifically saying it to spouses today in the context of marriage. I would say for Renata and me, um, not just praying for each other, but praying for other things together. So I spent five years um, before we got married um, leading prayer meetings with young people. And one of the funny, when I think back about just kind of the, the cute things in our life, just kind of silly, but almost fun, is when we got our first apartment, we got the smallest apartment. They called it a junior apartment. It was the tiniest apartment that they had. We had one, it was one bedroom, and then it was just the tiniest little family room. Um, and when you walked in, there was a massive, like we had only been, we got, we'd only been married for like a month when we moved in, or a couple months, six weeks when we got this apartment. And there's this massive, like gargantuan, bigger than a poster picture of Renata and I at our wedding. You know, like that's the first year of marriage. Like you walk into our house, people would walk in, they're like, oh, this is small, but I can see y'all, you know, like, um, <laughs> But in that first season, we, we actually kept in the, in the kind of the, the internship training that we had had where we would get down on our knees and, and, and like cry out to God every morning for young people. So it was just, it was, it was the way that we were trained in it. We, we, it wasn't something we came up with. It was just the way that they did the prayer meetings and the youth ministry that we were working with. And so one of the fun things when I think back is that literally... Renata and I would be uh, in our apartment that first year and we would get down on our knees like this and we would just, just the two of us, and we would just be, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, we would pray for a youth movement. Um, sorry. In the next generation. And there was, um, there was no microphones. Um, later on, started to rally thousands of kids. Um, but it didn't start there. It uh, started just, just <laughs> kind of like a, kind of like just two crazy 23-year-olds just crying out to God. So, um, so years later, when, when you look back at, at some of the things that God did, in addition to flowers and romance and songs, you got this, look what God did. God at work. Not just prayed for each other, but we prayed together. And I'll invite you to, um, the greatest prayer meeting you could have is maybe just you taking the, the hand of your spouse in addition to praying for each other. Start to say, because we're married, what kingdom fruit could exist in the world? Like, what, 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 what might God do but just two intercessors crying out to God together? Last one is this, it's shine. And of course, you know, Radiant Church, we built the whole naming of our church as this idea of being a light in a dark place. And Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I'd encourage you, last even practice is this. How can we serve together? Pray together? What would it look like if we made disciples? Or, 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 or like I see some of you and you serve with teenagers. I see some of you, you go on a Saturday and you serve the, the hurting and the poor on a serve Saturday. And you stand in the food line. 
and there are people who have food in their stomach as a result of you and your spouse, not just wrestling through, let's get enough, split another meal at an expensive restaurant or let's go on another trip. Some of you think, I'll tell you, a third honeymoon, a seventh honeymoon, a 15th honeymoon. Let's get away again. I'm all for getting away. I like, you know, divert daily and get away, have a date night. Love all those things. I love going on trips. But I do not believe that all the little books and blogs about personality, about um, little, little, little things, all those things are fine, but I don't think they're the essence. You put a Sermon on the Mount lifestyle to disciples seeking first the kingdom. Practicing, 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 practicing the words of Jesus. And when the storms that will come against your marriage, that financial pain, that person in the office that flirts with your spouse too much, that addiction that seems like it's going to crush your spouse and you're angry about it, there are storms coming. Your marriage, most of us live in houses right now in Kansas City area that look very similar to the other houses in the neighborhood. They all look fairly similar. And Jesus says, it's the storms that reveal if the foundation is good or bad. Many of us on the outside, mm, hashtags, Instagram, marriages can look strong but you have friends and so do I. You've been one, you've, you, you, you've probably experienced something that's so hard. And, and if, you've, if you've experienced a marriage that crumbled or a divorce, or pain, we want this to be a place of healing and help and to believe for the brightest future. And in the midst of all the hardship, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, we want to fight. Now, that's why I love the title of that book, The Good Fight, because it's a fight. It's a fight against your flesh. It's a fight. But when the storms come, man, some stand. This isn't my words. This is Jesus' words. When the tension rises, when the winds blow up against the house, will you have a marriage built on the rock or a marriage built on sand? All the cultural things, sand sand. We're not as Enneagram am my Enneagram, sand. Our favorite songs, 90s country, mm, sand. Oklahoma, give us a break. That's where we, you know, we're dating. It's all sand. The rock is Christ, Jesus. And so many of us will say, I love Jesus. Jesus, relationship with Jesus. Okay, great. So take what Jesus said. Because a lot of us will say, I'll put my faith and belief in Jesus, but then we'll ignore what he told us to do. As a parent, if my kids do that, I say, hmm, I'm not so sure I have much authority in your life. Dad, I post a picture of you. Dad, I love you, but I don't do anything that you say. Hmm, hold on a second. Maybe I don't have much authority in your life. Maybe you in the middle of all the challenge, hardship, difficulty. If you'll say, Jesus, you have authority in my life. 
I read the Sermon on the Mount. I apply it to my life. It's not just that I know it. I want to put it into practice. Will you stand with me? Renata, you want to join me? We just want to take a moment. And just for fun, if you're married in the house, will you just hold the hand of the person next to you? And if you'd like to marry the person next to you. Or... Just kidding. Just kidding. Just, uh, sorry. Just take a moment. <laughs> Let's just take a moment. I'll take a little bit. We just take a moment. We just pray for these marriages. Yes. Lord Jesus, God, I just thank you for every marriage that's represented here today and online. God, I thank you, Lord, for the way that you brought them together. And God, no matter what they're facing, Jesus, no matter what their marriage looks like today, um, strong or weak, God, I just ask for an increase in that commitment to fight for it, God, and to, and to see the picture of what you see in their marriage, Lord God. God, just the, the greatness and the amazing partnership and the joy and the serving each other. God, I just pray that each one of us right now, God, would um, look to you. And even right now, I just encourage you to just ask the Father what he sees so for you and your spouse. Just take a minute and, and think about it and pray and ask. Lord, I just ask for your revelation right now. God, I thank you for the power that comes when couples are united. God, and when they take that time to fight for each other daily, like David was talking about. And God, I ask for that. God, I ask that each one of us would have a commitment daily to pray for our spouse and ask, how can I love? What's one step I could take to love? And God, I ask that each one of us would have a marriage that is stronger at this time next year because of decisions that are made right now. So even right now, just pray and, and give your marriage to the Lord and ask the Lord, what is something I could do right now that would make a change? Even if it's good, it can always be better, you know? So, Jesus, we just thank you, God. I praise you for each marriage, each partnership, each man and woman that you have brought together. And God, we ask for blessing on them, for blessing on their families, for nearness to you, for revelation about their partnership and what you've called them to together. In Jesus' name. Amen. And if you could just um, keep your eyes closed and heads bowed. If you're online or in the room today and you hear the teaching of Jesus on the kingdom and he is not your king, but you desire to come under his domain, his let him be the ruler, the leader of your life. The good news is that the king went to a cross in your place for your sin so that you could have eternal life with him. For the wages of sin is death, which you have lived, done, lived ignorant of God, without God. But the gift, it was a gift, but the gift of God is eternal life. How? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. So you can exchange your ashes, your sin, your brokenness, and in exchange, he gives eternal life life. And if you'd like to begin that journey as a follower of Jesus today, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Jesus, 
be my Lord. Save me today. Change me today. Transform me into a new person. Empower me with God's strength, the power of the Holy Spirit. And use me, oh God, as an ambassador, as a light, as a friend of God in my world. I give you everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give everybody a hand that made that choice today? Hey, can you give Renata a hand? What's up? Come on. Man. Thank God. Thank God. Mm, so good. Hey, let's invite a prayer team to come forward. Ushers to come forward. You guys have been great today. I'm sorry that on Super Bowl Sunday I had seven points instead of three. Uh, you've been very patient, very good. Let's just take a moment, pray over our offering. And uh, if you would like prayer for any reason, you could come up even in these moments, let somebody pray for you. I would invite you if, you, if you're married, man, it's a great moment to just say, hey, how? How long you been married? I don't know, 50 something years, since the 1960s. Will you just pray for us? Sorry. I, I, will, you just, will, you just take a, will you just pray for us? That's like, that's a great, there's a great prayer team. That's one of the things that's just the best thing. Oh, just, I already, maybe it's not even that something's broken. Just, man, we want to we run a kingdom marriage race. All right, let's pray over this. We'll sing together. Father, we love you today. And I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're at work. We love you. You are our God. Be at work in our lives. Use the picture, that Ephesians 5. It's a mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. To be a radiant church where our marriages shine the light of Jesus, where stay in covenant and commitment, God. I pray for strength for my friends, every marriage to flourish and prosper. God, use what we give. We pray, Lord God, that we would make a difference, Lord God, in this city, around the world. God, we thank you for your provision. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this new building. 135th at Quivera. God, our new home. God, you provided it. We didn't do it. You did it. You've been at work. And so we ask, oh God, bless that whole space. We pray over that property. God, we pray as cars go by. We pray, Lord, even when we go into construction, Lord, as we go through the whole process, Lord Jesus, let that space be a place where broken people, I mean hurting people, find Christ. Lord, where, where people get formed into your image. God, where we see people filled with the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. Be a light. Oh God, be at work. We love you. We give cheerfully and gladly. In Jesus